Hello and welcome back to the Scooter Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, we got Ty. Jameson is taking this one off. And, you know, honestly, Ty, after our State of the O Union last week, I, I was kind of thinking we could take a nice, you know, nice long weekend. You know, you had a holiday. Surely things will be normal, right? Nope. College football decides to turn everything on its head. Baker Mayfield switches teams. Just too much happened to not get in and do a little bit of a, a bit of a podcast, a little bit of cleanup because frankly, Monday's show would have been like 10 hours long otherwise. So you and I were coming in on Thursday night out here grinding, getting some of these these news topics out of the way and um, really just kind of kind of kind of kind of doing some cleanup, but college football man, you know, of course, can't really have a bit of a break, eh? Yeah, and I think it's you got to love it. Uh, I'm going to spare everyone my my big monologues on how it's not about football and it's a it's an entertainment business, but it is, and and that's what we're getting. You know, you couldn't ask for crazier storylines, bigger drama. If if you tried to script it, I don't even think you could script something as as compelling as as what we're seeing unfolding. So, you know, as we dive deeper into it, is it? Are we getting, you know, those short-term dopamine hits that are going to cost us uh, long-term suffering or or big changes? Potentially, I think a lot of people would say so. But, you know, if you're just looking at at the fish closest to the boat, we certainly are looking at uh, some great content here. Oh, yeah. No, we we just, we you know, we're just, we, we can't leave that on the table. We have to just gobble that content up bit by bit. You can't let it get stale. In fact, you know, some would say the Pac-12, whatever, probably might be a little stale at this point. We don't care. We have to talk about it. But first, let's kind of cover a couple of the kind of smaller fish, smaller news items going on in the world of OU football, college football. Uh, and let's just kind of kick it off with the latest little bit of dopamine. Dopamine. Um, <laughs> you you got to love that preseason college football chum and you know, we, we got our first hit of it. Uh, Big 12 Media Day is coming up next week. So, of course, we have the preseason polls and everything jumping out. And for the first time in what feels like forever, OU not predicted as the preseason Big 12 champion. Baylor number one, OU number two. Uh, behind them, I believe, was Oklahoma State, then Texas. Uh, and then, I, I mean, this, this poll is wild. You even had Iowa State getting a number one vote. So, Ty, do you think it's do you think it's fair uh, not having OU as the number one, uh, the preseason number one? What was your reaction to seeing that? I I mean, I don't. I think a lot of OU fans would probably have a a harsher opinion on it. I think recency bias is a big thing. I think there's obviously a there's going to be an inherent baked in hatred and bias towards OU and Texas for the remainder of the time that we're here that is continuing to look like 2025, which is kind of uh, crazy because teams that have announced their moves a year after us are going to be moving a a year prior. But yeah, I I don't think it's necessarily super crazy. I think even as a non OU fan, if I were to look at it, I would say, yeah, OU had a ton of turnover, ton of turmoil, but I don't see how that Baylor team is going to win it again. I don't see how, anyone else is I'm sure I'd be thinking different if I were a a Baylor fan or or something else but I think most everyone in the nation is looking at that and going "Mm, doesn't really matter OU's probably gonna win it which I think is you know I 
I, yeah, it's, I don't think it says, I don't think it's necessarily egregious. I'm at a, a loss for words. It must be so egregious, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. It's, it's preseason. Like you said, it's, it's that rat poison stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess I'm it's not... the opposite of that uh, because it's... I guess so. Yeah. It's you're right. It is the reverse of rat poison. It's I guess rat food or whatever rats eat. Ratatouille. It's it's ratatouille. Yeah, it, it is. It is that preseason ratatouille. Yeah, I'm I'm with <laughs> you though. I, I'm not stunned. I there are a lot of you know things that you know kind of came out um, with some of these preseason stuff that s- surprised me a little bit more than this. You know, Baylor being number one that makes sense or defending champion. I personally would put OU first, but you know, one kind of a bit of a homer two. Uh, you know, I, I just think they're, I just think they're consistent. I think, I think, I, I mean, other than the whole, you know, flipping everybody over, I just, I like, I like what Brent has going. I believe, I believe in Levy. I believe in the, what, what this team has, uh, coming to the table this year. Uh, and I feel like Baylor lost a lot, but frankly, we really don't know. So why not just stick with your guns, go with the champ. Number one, I will say having OU and Kansas both. OU having the same amount of preseason uh, first team all Big 12 members as Kansas was a bit shocking, a bit wild, but um, hey, you know, what are you going to do? So um, that was truly nuts. Uh, But, you know, again, it's just chum. uh, Really good, um, really, really, really good content fodder for the Big 12 conference. I'm sure they got some really, really good, uh, you know, likes and retweets and, you know, maybe a little ratio here and there. but speaking of social media, OU's response to it officially. Uh, what do you think of the? What do you think of the slogan? They they posted out this tweet, little, it's like a little piece of paper pinned on a dartboard that says "Dirty hard work done in the dark," uh, with a little with noted and a little uh, hand emoji underneath. Is that what's going on? What's going on with with the OU Twitter account? Why are they so spicy and, you know, low-key, just, just being honest, why are they being horny right now? Yeah, that one, when you first dropped it uh, to our group chat and I saw it, it was almost a confusing thing because obviously discussing pictures in podcast format is suboptimal. But uh, if you go find the the actual rendering that, that we're talking about here, when I first saw it, it was one of those confusing things like one of those graphics that so many people generate nowadays where you're like not really sure if it's supposed to be read like vertically left to right by column or if it's supposed to be read vertically left to right by line or something so i was i initially read it as dirty work in the dark hard done dark or something (laughs) like that dirty work in the hard done dark yeah so it was but even when you decode it or decipher it you know maybe it was a little more clear to everyone and i'm just being a goofball but even when you decipher it and and read it as they intend dirty hard work done in the dark it's still a little clunky and uh definitely does come off kind of i mean it comes off very very innuendo-y and it's it's almost like the more i read it and look at sort of the style i can see kind of what i think they were going for and i think it was supposed to be like a i don't know like a gritty you know like 1940s detective noir or like a mafia thing or like a bank robber like we do or whatever i I think it was supposed to be sort of that style thing and it just came off 
as awkwardly horny and poorly written. That's is, this is what happens when now we have Gen Z people creating content. The problem is you read it line by line, so you have dirty hard work done in the dark. You don't you don't read hard work, which if the hard work were to hard if hard and work were together, you'd see hard work. You just see dirty hard work done in the dark. We're talking about this graphic far too much, but it's just it's kind of baffling. Uh, I like I I like that they're trying. They posted an, the uh, Usher meme, which is uh, very dead, even though it's only existed for like four days. Um, you know, kind of chirping at people, blame you know, kind of talking crap on the recruitment. Jameson will be on uh, when we get back to our regular scheduled scheduled regularly scheduled programming to talk Cruton Corner. But yeah, no, that was that's pretty wild. So. The- Right before we move on, again, discussing photos in, in podcast format, uh, Bobby, if you notice the the rendered piece of paper in the overall rendering uh, down at the bottom, you will notice that they could not decide what logo to put on it. So they went with, let's just put four different logos on it, uh, which is doesn't make sense because that's the point of logos is not to create a hieroglyphic where you have O-U-X, Jordan logo, and then also the DNA logo, and then also OKLA. You know, you, you got to pick, pick one logo or, you know, put one on top, one on bottom, something like that. It's I, I seriously question the direction that OU's design courses are going in now looking at, at these graphics. It, it's truly weird. I, I don't get it, but, you know, whatever. We, we, we are just going nuts, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Bonk. But uh, anyways, let's um, let's move on to what was kind of a definitely another big bit of uh, news, uh, not really having to deal with college football, but kind of with OU for sure. Obviously, Baker Mayfield traded to the uh, Carolina Panthers for um, at what it would would be at its lowest, a uh, fifth round pick uh, from Cleveland. And uh, yeah, Baker's finally free out of the Browns organization uh after their acquisition of deshaun watson um and yeah so baker has has a new team new city um yet another team that kind of needs some turning around they went five and twelve last year um but they do have christian mccaffrey so a lot of a lot of intrigue a lot of excitement i'm excited that he's he's out of there i think the browns are a mess of an organization but ty what was your first reaction when seeing that uh Baker had finally left and his destination of uh, the Carolina Panthers. Well, obviously the, the important thing there is, is that his, his saga, at least when it comes to where he's going to play has been settled. That was a big, uh, what if doesn't feel like strong enough of a term, but it was sort of a big looming thing that was, was overhead. Interestingly enough, like we sort of touched on right at the start, we were thinking that, this week or around this week, that was pretty much going to be the big news uh, because that was something that has been expected for a while. So we did get that news, but obviously it was very much overshadowed by other events. So super happy he's going. I'm not a, it's just the, the Panthers never really been interesting to me. So I don't know. I'm not super hype, but it's not like he's going in somewhere great or, or somewhere super known for, for something interesting. So but he's not at the Browns. And I think that's so important. Like you talked about that organization, just inexplicable because they, you know, whether it was Baker or whether it was just a coincidence that it occurred while he was there, they had a massive turnaround. Um, 
in in the Baker era and had a ridiculous come up, as the kids would say nowadays. And they were performing extremely well for the Browns organization and uh, definitely above average for the league as a whole. And then, you know, he had his his injuries and and primarily just his injury and, and attempting to play through it. Uh, and, and some other factors in this past season. And then it just kind of it, people started acting within the Browns organization and, and fandom. From what I could tell, people started acting like they were an amazing team that he had sabotaged instead of the exact opposite. So, you know, did, did their running back and, and star defensive guys have more to do with it? I don't know. I guess we'll see, but we certainly saw that when Baker wasn't healthy, they weren't performing like they were when he was healthy so I think if you were to do, uh, pick a critical factor, maybe it wasn't the running backs, maybe it wasn't yeah. uh, the guys yeah. playing on the other side of the ball. But I'm not crazy about him going to Carolina, but, um, you know, between never playing football again, which did look like an option there at, at some point, obviously continuing to play and continuing to make money is a better option. And anywhere besides the Browns would have been better. So it's a, for sure. No, by yeah. far a win. I'm with you. I, and everyone could point to, oh, like Miles Garrett and all these other players, Nick Chubb, they're all better than Baker. And yeah, you're right. It wasn't all Baker that turned that team around. That's 100% sure. That team, you know, had a lot of players that were better than Baker Mayfield, without a doubt. However, Baker brought in a total mindset mindset change. Um, Sorry, I almost sneezed there. Um, total mind sh- mindset change there from what they had in the past. You, 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 people forget Baker's first win with Cleveland, uh, was the win that, uh, opened up all the Budweiser, like the free buds. If they finally break this massive losing streak, they went 0 16 the year before they were awful, the bottom of the barrel. And he made them feel like they could believe. And I feel like that is something you just don't take for granted. Um, and yeah, you look, he was not the best quarterback in the world. He was not Joe Montana. He was not Tom Brady. But you know what he was? He was a solid leader for that team, for that organization. And, you know, you go from 2020 when you're just this close to playing for an AFC championship uh, and you lose narrowly at Arrowhead to Patrick Mahomes and and the Chiefs, and then you just discard him after one bad year. I just, I I think it's it's just ridiculous. There's absolutely no loyalty uh, in that Browns organization. And I I get it. It's, It's a business. It's different. But I just feel like, that's just that's just too 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 quick of a turnaround. I think it's completely disrespectful to a player of that caliber, especially replacing him with someone like Deshaun Watson, who is um, I mean, look, 24, 24 um, charges. That's all you need to know. That just doesn't happen to people. You know, you don't you don't just do you just don't make an accusation like that because you want money. Twenty four people don't do that. That's it's ridiculous. Um, I don't want to get too deep into that, of course, but uh, I just, I, I just think it's, it's, it's a, it's an absolute shame how they treated Baker and, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully does well with uh, Carolina uh, pissed off, you know, chip on his shoulder. Baker Mayfield is a different animal. And, you know, may, maybe, maybe, maybe him being the number one pick and him having all that success and being praised, Maybe that's not the best way he operates. Maybe he operates best when he's kind of in the dirt and getting kicked and spat on by everyone. So we'll see how he bounces back. I'm excited to see what he does with the Panthers organization. Um, but like you said, it, it's not like he just got you know picked up by the Pats or 
you know, some some team that you know is is also good. The Panthers have had their fair share of problems, but I'm I'm excited to see how it works out. Um, hopefully, a change of scenery helps our guy Baker. So we'll see how that goes. But um, for our last kind of new news item, I kind of wanted to break this down. Uh, absolute shocker when it came out. USC and UCLA to um, they're they're heading to the they're heading to the freaking Big Ten. I just in a move that was somehow stealthier than the stealthiest move of OU and Texas leaving. Um, they just, they just did it. They just, it was a random uh, like Thursday afternoon and they're, they just bolted for the big 10 uh, in a move that leaves both of them, you know, with their closest road opponent being Nebraska, uh, which is, I believe a, something like a 22 hour drive, just, just baffling. So Ty, I, I'm sorry. I've been rambling on for a while. What did you think of this, uh, of this move was it uh some cringe consumer capitalism at work or do you think it's just a, a solid move for for, for those or, uh universities this one i don't know i i would say that this one is is uh i think it's a good move i i think it's the more i think about it everyone sort of got caught up in you know the ou texas move was announced prior to um coming up on a year ago. So, so prior to the season, right at the sort of end of July, early August timeframe, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and it was obviously the biggest news out there and it was huge. And I, I really think that the ball started to get rolling for these teams making their move as soon as that was announced, because that I think was sort of the, the damn breaking moments or the, you know, the, the seal has been broken. The, the die has been cast. The, we, uh, as college football as a whole sort of crossed the Rubicon there, but we rolled into the season. And then obviously as, as OU fans and uh, we had a ton of big storylines and I think everyone else had their storylines and, and quietly in the background, maybe not super uh, intensely, but this, this was working and this was happening. And I'm almost surprised that it came out now and not earlier. I think looking back to this time, last year, or I guess 11 months ago when the OU and Texas move was announced, I was thinking, and if you had asked me at the time, I would have said, you know, I expected it to be pretty quiet throughout the season. But then as soon as we reach the off season, we're going to start seeing these, this uh, news of other people moving. And I was kind of shocked when it didn't happen. And then it, we got lulled into a sort of a false sense of security. and, and, And this move was announced. I think it's, Obviously, it's feasible. They've they've looked at the numbers and they've looked at the how much it'll it'll cost financially to to deal with the travel for everyone involved because it's not just these schools. You know, the teams of the Big Ten are now going to have to be traveling down to Southern California very regularly for uh, games because you're going to have two sets of of um, home games uh, down in in SoCal. So you'll pretty much have someone constantly down there i think I, I don't think there's a way that you can make it where there isn't someone every single week in socal playing uh from the midwest so obviously it works out financially i i really think it's it's a the big 10 had, had was the conference or is the conference currently that pays out the most to its its member institutions a lot of people think it's the sec i did uh initially before i looked into it but uh the big 10 pays out uh, fairly significant amount more. It, it, it's over $5 million per institution more a year. So we'll see what the new numbers are looking like with 
everyone that's being added because now I think the, the seal has really been broken. Um, I'll let you, I got some more to say, Bobby, but I, I think I'll let you take it here real quick. No, for, for sure. It's, um, it's interesting. And I think it's a better, I, I, I would think if you're a big 10 fan, you're happier about this than a USC or UCLA fan. Um, just if we're talking, you know, enjoyment of being with these other, these other teams. Cause now, you know, the big 10 with all of these large institutions with large fan bases, large alumni bases who, you know, I imagine there are a lot of fans, obviously, in you know, fans and, um, you know, uh, alumni of, you know, Michigan, Ohio state, you know, obviously the, the blue, you know, the bell cow, big programs, but even thinking like Purdue Northwestern and, you know, um, just Indiana. I'm sure there are a bunch of transplants out in Los Angeles who are now very thrilled that they have two conference uh, mates out there kind of working as like this satellite type of program. So I, I know I'm sure they're thrilled about that. You know, they vacation city for sure. But um, no, I just, I think it's, I think this is, you know, and we're going to try to get in depth with this with uh, Boat and Blake and uh, Jamison at some point, because I think there's a really good conversation about, the future of college football and what this does to this. But I, I, I think it's definitely, um, this is, this is one of the most Im- impactful things that has ever happened in college football because, uh, regionality is just dead tradition dead. Um, for years we heard pac 12 and big 10 people crying about, Oh, we have to preserve the sanctity of the Rose bowl. Well, now you have USC in the, you know, playing, <laughs> playing in the big 10 every year. What do we do? Throw that out of the window. That you do not care about the sanctity of the game. You do not care about regionality. You don't care about tradition. Um, you care about money. You care about what's what's best and biggest. And you know, at the end of the day, this is a move that they made because they knew the Pac-12 was never going to ascend to the status of a Big Ten or an SEC. And that at the end of the day, the new world order, unfortunately, is probably going to be just a duopoly between the big 10 and the sec. So better go with the team or the uh, conference that you feel is better aligned than get left in the dust. Um, which I think to a smaller degree is what OU and Texas did. Um, but here we are, man, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. I, I think you touched on something uh, interesting and, and important there. And I'm, I'm not trying to, justify OU and Texas's actions or, or sort of excuse them, whatever term you want to use. But we did, we made a move obviously located as we were, uh, you know, we, we had a little bit more freedom to join someone and still claim regionality. But when you look at, at how the, the scheduling looks like it's going to pan out for the sec, OU and Texas joined a, a conference that is, as regional as the one we left. Obviously we were blessed sort of by locations. And I guess I haven't really looked at, I guess from Austin, it's a little bit of a a different situation, but when it comes to, you know, you can get to both Mississippi schools, Tennessee, LSU, A&M, Texas, uh, Mizzou, all within uh, around eight ish hours in the car, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, certainly nine. Uh, So we have a very regional situation. I, I think we could have also joined the Big Ten uh, earlier on and, and probably still kind of claimed regionality, although it would be a lot less 
uh, justifiable, but I think the the pack was in a, a bad situation and those teams were in a bad situation because, you know, they have that regionality of, of being on the West coast, but the West coast is a, a big, big place. If you really look at, at the distance that, uh, what would the farthest two be Arizona and Washington? Uh, yeah. that's still very, very far. And it's not like, you know, middle America where you're just driving on the flat, you know, you got all the mountains, all the, you know, Colorado was way out separated from everyone else in, in their conference. And just like they kind of were when they were in the, the big 12. So I think, yeah, regionality is, is gone. And I think that that is the big thing with this move. I think this move is going to mean more to college football and, and college football becoming a pro league basically um, because it's, it's not regional, you know, OU in, in Texas moved to the bigger market, bigger money. You could argue that it's sort of a, more of a pro style move, but now you have legit, you know, like NFL scheduling that's occurring within the, the big 10 basically. You got a team that plays in New Jersey scheduling and, and figuring out how to travel and everything else and play against a team from Southern California. You don't have that in any other conference. I guess, you know, West Virginia, the the Pittsburgh area essentially to the rest of the Big 12 is is pretty big. And, you know, I, I think it it leads right into the Big 12 discussion. Obviously the Big 12 is is also becoming a, a national conference and and you you touched on it turning into a, a duopoly. Bobby, I, I really don't think it will be. I I think at this point that there is room for three. And I think right now the I I would have said right when this was announced, the PAC still had a chance to survive. And I think the ACC had a chance to survive earlier in the week or in the past two weeks. But I think right now what we're going to see is the big, the big 10 and the SEC as the top two dogs by far. But when it comes to revenue, when it comes to TV deals and even the product that's getting put out on the field, I think that there is, the big 12 being a, a very close right behind third because the big 12 has been the smartest conference. Obviously they were burned first by it, but they have been the smartest and most aggressive conference in going on the offense, which I think was the key to survival. You know, one of my, again, talking about pictures and podcast format, but one of my, a meme that makes me laugh every single time I see it, is it doesn't necessarily matter what the picture is, but the text on the meme goes, if you're going to fight, fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's Ark and brother, it's starting to rain. (laughs) And that's the situation that the conferences were in is there's, I think three seats on the Ark and we got what five or six monkeys standing in line. And, and there's two big monkeys right at the front. But all the other monkeys, brother, it's starting to rain and, and you got to make a decision. And Absolutely. all the other conferences have gone defensive. I think the Pac-12 has gone almost, God, I don't even know the term. Uh, they've, they've sort of given up. You know, they're just along for the ride at this point. Who knows what's going to happen? The ACC has gone totally defensive. Um, the SEC seems like they're, you know, they – they uh, kicked over the the pile of dominoes and now they're just watching it fall because they know that they can still write their, their uh, own check. Who knows what's happening in, in the big 10, but the big 12 has been very public coming out. As soon as the news came out, they had obviously the, a couple leaks saying, no, we're not going after people, but then they already added a ton of great teams. 
they're looking to add a ton more. And, and when I really look at it, it comes down to a, like we talked about, it's all about money now. And I think a lot of people are looking at uh, this with an old school college football look at things. And that's where you're looking at, how is this going to help recruiting? How is this going to give us money? How is this going to help us win more games? And I think the Big 12 is looking at it with a very modern uh, look at things. And they're saying, this is about money. I need to add big fan bases. I need to add fan bases that have money. I need to have fan bases that want to watch games. And when you look at the people they've added, BYU, massive, very rich fan base, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Uh, UCF, massive fan base, a lot of sort of new money style stuff people want to give. People want their school to succeed. They're passionate about it. They have uh, UCF is a bigger school than OU in, in Texas. Actually, UCF might be as big as OU and Texas both combined. Um, Cincy, obviously, another situation like that. And, and the the Arizona schools, especially if if the Big 12 can land those you got a ton of money coming in. And, and then at that point, you know, the big 10 and, and the sec might have the early lead, but when this realignment starts to really kill off some of the bottom of the barrel stuff, um, those schools that are right there at the cusp, because, you know, Bama, OU, Texas, um, OSU, they can only take so many players. They're already taking as many, you know, cream of the crop players as, as they can. They're not going to be taking bigger rosters now with the realignment. So I think there's going to be a lot more star players available to those middle ground teams like, say, a TCU or something else with realignment taking out the lower levels. I, I really think it'll ultimately help them as, as long as the conferences are aggressive about it. And right now, I think that the Big 12 is the only one that's that's getting well, their seat on the arc. Yeah, and you know, it, it only took the Big 12, what, six teams leaving in the span of 12 years to actually start, you know, like – oh shit, we should actually try to start adding some value back here. But here they are, you know, they added, you know, I I think their moves that they've made, you know, to try to, you know, send, you know, ovations out to the Pac-12 teams and to get the cream of the crop with the uh, American conference. I think those were smart, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, especially if you think, I, I think I, I, I'm with you. I think they're closer to, to the third pillar rather than the next minnow to eat to get eaten. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I, I, I think, I think we'll see the teams who get on that boat on those boats on the sec and the big 10 get a little bit better. You probably won't have Northwestern getting tossed around as much. We'll see how it works. I, I'm really intrigued to see how everything goes. And I would, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, breaking this down more with uh, Blake and Jameson later as well, for sure. But um I tell you, I, I don't know. I, I think the Big 12 has found itself in a pretty solid position, and I, I'm excited to see how it works out. But, um, yeah, Ty, I think we're getting close. I think we're uh, about done for the evening. We got, we final? got one more. Yeah, one I more? got one more brief got, news story. I know you got one more thing. What 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 what, 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 what do we got? What do we got? We got to touch on it. We, we have to touch on it. 15-time world champion. Only interrupted once in 2015 uh, when he did not take his crown. Joey Chestnut, once again, dominant performance. Didn't meet his his number expectations. Was literally attacked mid-performance. Took down the attacker. Possibly snapped their neck. We didn't. We saw <laughs> a lot of cool replays 
Uh, never got an update on that individual who very well could have been neck snapped mid dominant performance. He still won by what, like 20 dogs. Obviously we're talking about the, the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest on a contest that occurs every July 4th. Jameson's going to touch on it again. He's a, a big fan when he comes on, but 15 times world champion in a sport. It, I think it, it very much is a sport. He's been extremely dominant at it, winning by, you know, margin of victory, like 20 plus dogs every time. And you just can't, you know, he's, he's getting close to 40 years old and just continuing to dominate his sport and, and just inspire people. And then also deal with, you know, fighting off attacks and whatever else mid performance. I think, you know, not to, not to get too deep in the weeds on this, but if somebody ran out on the field during the Super Bowl by Tom Brady, I, I don't know that Tom Brady would have done a, a next snap. And if somebody ran out uh, on the court during the NBA finals, uh, I think an NBA average NBA player, uh, not Raymond Felton, but an average NBA player uh, probably would have flopped and then uh, tried to sue or something. So yeah, no, yeah, that, shout that out was some to, nice. Shout out to Joey. That was some hardcore grit, grit from Joey because he he showed up with like like a torn ligament in his leg too. Like he he really went out there and you know just gritted through. Like you know nowhere close to to his world record. That's okay. He got went out there, got the job done, still blew him out. Um, and I, I would I would classify him as a, as an athlete. Physically, your body has to handle that. I think that's very stressful, very strenuous. But you know what? He did it. So shout out to our guy Joey Jaws Chestnut. You know we're you know we love our dogs out here. Love 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 talking about our hot dog contest. Speaking of which, I absolutely smoked Jameson in our one dog challenge this year. So uh, just completely blew blew the guy out of the water. I don't even think we got an official time on him because he he just gave up. But uh, yeah, so. I love it. I, I I love how annually we we reconvene to talk about the dogs and um, some some solid competitions out there. I feel like, but you're right that that next yep. snap. You know, I, I I was analyzing that thing like the Zapruder film. Man, it was it was awesome. It was also funny enough. Uh, real quick, as as we sign off, there was a second protester. Uh, not a lot of people notice that uh, was up there for like two minutes, and no one noticed because he, he watched his compatriot get neck snapped and he just kind of stood in the background with a star wars mask on which is how you could tell he was a protester and tried to blend in and then eventually someone noticed and he was quietly escorted off uh, so where's was, the security out here why didn't nobody stop these people i don't know but uh i i would assume that at the hot dog eating contest if you just see a crazed person in a star wars mask you're just gonna assume that it's part of it because uh, that's generally the the theme. It's it's not necessarily as easy to pick out who's an athlete and who's a a crazy person uh, because they're one and the same. They they but, are uh, some crazy folk. Yeah. So, but I think I think that's about it for this week. Uh, coming up, uh, technically next week, but in in the next couple of days we'll be going back to our regular uh, live recording style with Jameson. Hopefully, Boat and Blake, if we can get him on, Boat and Blake, definitely in the next few weeks as we start to talk preseason expectations for teams and, and conferences. And, and we dive deeper into this realignment discussion and obviously a lot of big news and recruiting that's that's going to be coming up next week as well. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. this. Um, this preview season is going to be like any unlike any other we've done um, prior to this. And so we're, we're going to be trying to stretch it out, really, really get into the weeds with it. 
in addition to our uh, standard uh, schooner pod content. So uh, we're looking forward to it. We're getting close. We're getting so close to that first uh, that first snap week zero. I can't wait. I can't wait, Ty. But um, yeah, I think that's all we got here for the schooner pod. For me and Ty, we thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time when we're back on our regularly scheduled program with uh you know with video with uh, with with all of it together audio etc um so yeah we'll see you then but until then y'all have a good week and boomer sooner i almost said thunder up i've been doing too much thunder stuff <laughs> yeah boomer sooner have a good one bye